We're talking about how to win the battle with doubt. When we're in doubt, what do we do? How do we react to doubt? We all go through doubt. You may have a moment of doubt. You may have a day of doubt. You may have a season in your life when you're struggling with doubt. All of us go through that. So what do we do when that happens? When the Bible talks about believing and not doubting, trusting and not doubting, having faith and not a lack of confidence in God, but a strong confidence in God, when the Bible talks about that, the Lord addresses two audiences. He addresses that person who has not yet trusted his son Jesus as Savior. He talks to the one who's not yet a believer. And you may be here today in this service and you've been listening maybe online or you've been even coming to some of our services or maybe you've been visiting some of the great churches we have in our community and you're kind of searching and you're asking, you know, where is God and God, are you relevant to my life? And maybe you're just trying to find out about all this God and Bible and Jesus and church thing. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're here. We've all been on that journey. Everybody in this room has been on that journey. But God talks to the unbeliever about their doubts. But actually, the Bible addresses more the believer's doubts. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, those of you who are here and you're new to church, listen in, tune in, lean in. Don't think this message is not for you because God's going to speak to you in the message today. God speaks to that believer who is struggling primarily because this is where the enemy wants to get us. It's not just doubting maybe for a moment, does God really exist or is God's word really true? Here's where the enemy really wants to nail us, is doubting our relationship with God. We've repented of our sins. We've turned our back on sin, self, and Satan. And we have turned toward God and we have opened ourselves up to him. We've surrendered our life to him. We know we were born again. We know we were saved, to use some church language and churchy words. We know we were redeemed. We know we were forgiven. We know we were adopted. But since then, there have just been moments when I doubted that or you doubted that. So what are we supposed to do with that? Well, the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospel of John, he says in uh, John 20 and 31, he says, I wrote this book, I wrote this book so that you who have not yet believed will believe on him, will believe on the name of the Son of God, and you will be saved. So the Gospel of John was written for many reasons, and anybody can study the book of John, and you'll, you'll just learn new and fresh truth, and, and uh, God will reiterate his truth and, and recommunicate his truth. The, the Gospel of John is a deep book that anybody can learn from, but he says... In John 20, 31, I wrote this book so that you who have not believed would believe. So I'm writing this book mostly to the unbeliever so that you will believe. And I've told you this before, but we have available to anybody who wants it for yourself or you can pick up uh, some of this material for a friend or a family member. It's right over there. It's behind that cameraman under the sign that says, Belong, Commit, Grow, Serve. And there'll be somebody there to serve you after the service. And again, you can pick it up for yourself or someone else. And it is to introduce them 
to who Jesus is. Or maybe they've just become a Christian. They're a babe in Christ, a little baby in Christ, and they just want to grow. And, and so we give you this material. Guess what it is? It is a study of the Gospel of John. And the reason it's a study of the Gospel of John is the very scripture that is um, given to us in John 20, 31. I write this book. I wrote these things so that you might believe, so that you might grow, so that you might get your roots down in the truth. And then we see the epistles of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. They're toward the end of your Bible. Same John wrote these books. But he says in this uh, book of the Bible, or in 1st John, the first letter, the first epistle, he says in 1st John 5, 13, listen to this. These things I have written, so he's about to tell us why he wrote 1 John. These things I have written to you who what? Who believe. So the gospel of John written to the unbeliever, of course, to everyone. But he had the unbeliever in mind, of course, when he wrote that book telling us who Jesus is what Jesus did for us, the price that he paid for our salvation. And then he says in 1 John, I write this book to those who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may, and what's the big word we're focusing on in this series, that you may know. <laughs> no. <laughs> that, that was Pastor Jeremy. He preached it backwards. That you may know. That you may know that you are a child of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So that's our scripture verse uh, that we're circling there. First John 5, 13, these things have I written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. If you, if you have surrendered your life to Christ and you're sitting here doubting today, the Lord doesn't want you to doubt. Remember what we said last week, doubt is to the spiritual part of you what pain is to the physical part of you. When you're hurting in your body, you know something's wrong. You know something needs to be fixed. Something needs your attention. You need to go to the doctor maybe, or, or you need to take measures to find out what's going on with that pain, that unexpected pain in your body. I told Millie yesterday, uh, the older I get, stuff just starts hurting. Who's with me out there? Come on, old people, don't leave me up here by myself. How, how, how many of you just sitting around and your toes just starts hurting? <laughs> and you're like, I haven't even gotten up off the sofa yet. Why is my toe hurting? I told her yesterday my right side was hurting. I said, what is that all about? What is, I'm just sitting here watching golf and my side started hurting. She said, because you want to be out there playing golf so bad. I said, okay. So... When something happens in our body, we feel pain, we know we've got to get that addressed. We can't ignore that, can we? So when you're doubting as a Christian, doubt, I'm not saying doubt's good, I'm not saying pain's good, but I am saying both of those are good when they serve as a warning sign that something's wrong and we need to get it addressed. So we're talking in this series about how to be an overcomer when it comes to doubt. Why is it so important to conquer our doubts? Why? Because assurance, confidence as a Christian is essential to our serving him. Our confidence as a Christian is essential to our influencing other people. You can't convince people of truth that you're doubting yourself. 
So confidence, assurance, that old hymn we used to sing a long time ago, everybody remember that? Blessed assurance. God wants us to have that because it's the foundation from which we minister. It's the foundation from which we influence. It's the foundation from which we serve. Our confidence as Christians is the foundation of our joy in the Lord. See, when I know my future's secure and I know his promises are true, then I can focus on my mission. I can focus on my calling. I can concentrate on what he's called me to do in this present world. And what kind of Christ follower would I be? What kind of disciple would you be if we're always filled with doubt about our relationship with God? If we're always doubting the words he has spoken to us through his word and through the spirit. So he gives us three major questions in 1 John. And they are questions we need to ask ourselves that evaluate our hearts. Pastor Jared was leading us in worship today and he talked about, he talked about the evaluation the Holy Spirit does in us. And the Holy Spirit is constantly going through a checklist with you and evaluating you. And, and uh, when we're out of line, the Holy Spirit convicts us. Let me just ask you something. How many of you know that conviction of the Holy Spirit is a precious thing? The conviction of the Holy Spirit. I don't like it when I mess up and, and the Holy Spirit blows the whistle on me, you know, like an umpire when I step out of bounds. But I'm so glad he does because I want to know when I'm out of bounds. Don't you? And so I thank God for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now, last week, we talked about the question of keeping his commandments. Keeping his commandments. 1 John 2 and 3. By this we... Let's do it again, because you know now, and I have to say this, every Sunday, when you don't respond, the sermon gets longer. Y'all remember that. You can't remember anything else I preach, but you know that principle. So let's do it again. By this we, we know that we have come to know him. We, excuse me, got choked up. We know that we have been saved. How do we know we're Christians? How do we know we've been adopted? How do we know we're genuine followers of Jesus? How can we be confident about that? And he says the way you know is if you keep his commandments. And we studied that word keep there. And John says to achieve confidence as a follower of Christ, to overcome our doubts, we have to answer the question, am I a keeper of his commandments. And I want to remind you, if you didn't hear that sermon, because when you hear that verse and you hear what I'm saying, it makes you think God's demanding sinless perfection of us. He's not demanding sinless perfection. Nowhere in the Bible does God demand sinless perfection through behavior or obeying all the rules. But that word, that word keep his commandments means I cherish his commandments. And when I step outside of them, the Holy Spirit blows the whistle. I love his word. I love his commandments. I value his word. Here's what it means. It means I don't always keep the commandments, but I am charting the course of my life by his commandments. Remember we talked about how that word keep is a mariner's term. It's a, it's a sailor's term. And the sailor keeps his eye on the stars. He has his hand on the rudder. And sometimes the point of the boat is not perfectly fixed where it needs to be. That's just like us. 
But the moment we get off course, the Holy Spirit tells us, and so we're able to make those adjustments and say, I'm not lined up. So go back, if you didn't hear that sermon last week, and listen to that sermon. Um, one of the things that blesses me so much, and this is a big thank you to the media team and uh, Mitchell Grantham, who's our media director and his whole team, is that we have our sermons on podcast. You can listen to those and you can sign up for those and you'll get them sent to you. I sign up for them because sometimes I need a good nap, so I listen to me preach and I just go right off to sleep. But you sign up for those and they come directly to your phone and you're able to listen uh, to the messages. And not only that, but you can go to our website, bridgechurch.cc, and you can watch the messages once they're edited and posted on there uh, so you can get the, the most from them. And I love when I get calls, and we got a call yesterday, I believe it was a Facebook message to Millie, and this was a young lady in Utah. And she said, I miss the bridge so much. She said, there's not a lot of churches to choose from around here unless you're a Mormon, she said. So she said, I just miss the bridge so much. She said, but I thank God I'm able to go on every week and listen to the message. And so let's give it up for our media guys. They do a lot of work, man. Not just on Sunday, but they do a lot of work during the week. I'm telling you. Uh, Mitchell and his team are out here all through the week, Wednesday nights, anytime there's a big event. We had a big event last night with our girls here at the church, and some of them received a great honor. You'll be hearing more about that later. But the media team, anytime we have anything out here at the church, that team is always, they always have to serve. And we just thank God for them, and we just thank God for the way they get the word out. So I wanted to give them a little shout out today. So one of the ways you know, one of the ways you're confident that you're a Christian is that you keep his commandments. You love them. You cherish them. You chart the course of your life by the commandments. Boy, I could preach on that again, but I need to move on. Number two. Here's what we're going to talk about today. What do you love? The question of love. What do you love? Look at 1 John 3, 14. We're still in 1 John because he said, I wrote this book so that you will have confidence as a believer, so that you can know. He said, you're going to know you're a Christian. You're going to feel confident about being a Christian. You're going to have blessed assurance if you love his commandments. Number two, what do you love? What you love, how much you love, the way you love, the depth of your love reveals whether you're a genuine follower of Jesus or not. 1 John 3, 14, y'all ready? Yellow words. We know. we know, man, you guys want me to quit early. We know that we have, now what were we before we became Christians? We were not alive. We were what? We were dead. We were dead. And I've been in some churches that are still dead. Have y'all been in some of those churches? I mean, they might be saved, but those are some dead churches. I've been in them. I'm not talking about any particular church. But I just heard a story about a little kid who was in one of those dead churches with his mom one Sunday. And he was bored out of his mind, and the sermon was going. And he said, Mom, what's that flag up there? She said, Son... That's the American flag. It represents all the Americans. All right, all right, all right. 
about two or three minutes, she said, now don't talk anymore. This is church. Don't talk. He's bored out of his mind. It was so irrelevant. He didn't understand what the pastor was talking about. He said, Mom, what's that other flag up there? She said, now, son, you can't talk during church, but that's the Christian flag. It represents all the Christians. Now, don't talk in church. Now, let's listen to the pastor. Well, he just took all he could take for about three more minutes, and he said, Mom, there's one more flag. i got to know what that is. What is that flag? She said, that is the flag that represents all the people who died in service. He said, did they die in the morning service or the evening service? <laughs> Amen. Who's been to that church? How many of you glad you're not in it today? Hey, you better listen because, buddy, you never know what I'm going to say. You better listen. Amen. I like big Bibles and I cannot lie. Okay, let's go. 1 John 3.14, we know that we have passed from into that means we got saved. How do we know that we are saved? How do we know that we're a follower of Jesus? We know we have passed from death unto life because we, we love. We love. We love. If you don't love, you have every right to question your walk with God. Because we love the brethren. Now, he's talking here about um, Christians loving Christians. You know, it's really kind of hard to talk about Christians loving lost people until we learn to love each other. Who's with me out there? He said, so first of all, you got to learn to love each other. Most churches I know who can't get along with each other don't have a very good evangelism outreach to the community. Are y'all with me? You know, one of the reasons we have such powerful evangelism, it's not just Pastor Jimmy, but he's pretty awesome, isn't he? But it's not just Pastor Jimmy. It's because you guys love each other. You look, This church loves each other. Do we always get along? Do we always? No, we're just like a family. How many of y'all get along with your family all the time? And don't raise your hand or you'll need to come to the altar now. <laughs> but you love your family. But you know what people say, and they write us. We ask people when they visit, tell us what you experienced. Tell us what you felt when you came in, because we want to make sure we know. And a lot of times they will say, man, I felt love. And we don't want to settle there and pat ourselves on the back too much. We want to love more. We want to love more. Matter of fact, let me just go ahead and challenge you guys with something right now. One of the things that we've had said about our church is that, boy, they love on you big time in the auditorium, in the um, foyer. But when I came and sat down in the auditorium, nobody came up to me. Can I preach to you about that? So when you come in, you who know our church and you're comfortable here, get up out of your seat. I know it's hard. And just walk around and say, hey, man, how you doing? And say to people you don't recognize Hey, it's so good to see you. My name's, I mean, I don't know what your name is. Hortense, I don't know. You, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Farrell, or you're George, or you, whatever. You just say, I'm, I just want to come by. I've seen you, or I, haven't, I don't think I've ever seen you, and I just want to welcome you to church. You know, what, you know what amazes me? And I don't have this in my notes, so I'm going to have to charge extra for this. But listen, <laughs> what amazes me is people who've come to our church who said, you know, one of the things that I didn't like was that once I got in the worship center, nobody came up and spoke to me. And I've watched those people, 
and they don't get up and speak to anybody either. Can I say that? Can I preach that? Come on now. You know, it's almost like, hey, if they got a T-shirt on, they really love me. One of, our, one of the Bridge T-shirts. Here's what we got to do, Bridge. We have got to get our eyes off of one another that we know that we're comfortable with, and we've got to look around for people we don't know, and we've got to show love to everybody. Y'all with me? We've got to show love to everybody. Everybody. Here's our natural tendency, is to talk to the people we know. Our natural tendency is to talk to the people who have like interest. Our natural tendency is to gravitate to family and gravitate to friends. Actually, you know what our natural tendency is? To gravitate to people who we see all the time. We just go right to them when we get to church. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. I want you to look around and go, you know what? That person, I've seen them a couple times, or maybe you're thinking, that's the first time I've seen them. They might be giving God one more chance. And how we treat them as a church is going to determine how they respond to God. So I'm going to get up out of my chair, and I'm going to walk over to that person and just welcome them to church. You don't have to have a long conversation. Just walk over and go, hey, man, thank you so much for being here today. We're glad to have you. I've been going to the bridge. Tell them how long you've been going to the bridge. And I don't think I've spoke to you before, and I just want to say hello. And i got to tell you, people, when you do that, when the preacher gets up here to preach his word that God gave him, they're open. They're more open because you've already loved on them. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Everybody say with me, Pastor Farrell. I accept the challenge. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be watching you guys, okay? So we got to love. And uh, I'm sorry I got off on that, but it's so important. It's so important. We will know, we will know, not just lost people will know we're followers of Jesus, but we ourselves will know. We will have confidence when we see how we love because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides not in life, but he who does not love is still in what? I didn't say that, man. That's the word of God. Let's go to another scripture in the Bible. 1 John 4 Let's go uh, a chapter ahead to 1 John 4, and let's look at verses 20 and 21. If anyone says, I love God, and hates, works against his Christian brother, he is a liar. He's not telling the truth. Look at the yellow. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he or did I say that right? Whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So you're like, oh, man, I love you. I love God. I love God. I love God. Do you love that guy? No, I don't love him. The Bible goes, can't, doesn't work that way. The Bible goes, when you love God and you've got a right relationship with God, you love everybody. Now, that doesn't mean you agree with other, everybody. That doesn't mean you embrace the lifestyle everybody lives. That doesn't mean you embrace other doctrine. That doesn't even, but you love them. Love them unconditionally. It's a sign that you're a child of God. Look at verse 21. And this what? This 
And what are we supposed to do with the commandments from last week? We're supposed to what? Love them. We're supposed to cherish them. We're supposed to value them. And this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should also unselfishly love his brother. And that's talking about you two ladies. It means our Christian family. Love his brother and seek. Here's the hard part. We can go, I love him. Well, you want the best for him? Not really. He's a jerk. But see, true love is not just going, oh, yeah, yeah, I love him. I, I hope he fails. I hope he falls apart. I hope his whole life falls apart. But I really love that guy. So that's why the Holy Spirit added this part. Love him, and everybody say the last part. Seek the best for him. Now, I know you're thinking about some people right now. you got some people in your mind. And you're thinking, if I do this one, i got to have some help from Jesus. <laughs> I understand that. I understand that because you maybe have been treated unfairly by that person. You've been treated with injustice by that person. But see, what you're asking God for is supernatural love. The ability to love the unlovable. See, that's what a relationship with Jesus does. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit to love the unlovable. So important. Look at another scripture. Let's go to 1 John. Let's go one more chapter ahead. Let's go to chapter 5. Look at verse 1. Everyone who believes, and I love the Amplified Bible because it says, not just believes mentally, not just believes in the sense of a historical fact, but everyone who believes with a deep abiding trust in the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, is born of God. That is reborn from above, born again, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose. And what the Amplified Bible is doing right there is making sure you understand that this is not just a mental belief, but it is a it is a heart belief. It is, it is not just saying, sure, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I even believe he rose from the dead, so I'm a Christian. No. No. It means a deep, abiding trust in the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, that he is, and, and is born again. That is reborn. John chapter 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you've been born of woman. That's why you're here. But in order to go to heaven, you must be born Again, come on, let's say that louder. Born. These are, these are words that we've almost stopped using in the church because we don't want to offend anybody. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I, if, when, when Nicodemus asked, what have I got to do to go to heaven? And I, I'm interested in Jesus' answer to that because I'm kind of wanting to go to heaven myself. Anybody with me? So when he said, Pharaoh Hardison, you want to go to heaven, you can pastor all the churches you want to. You can have uh, all kind of uh, degrees in religion. I mean, you can have so many degrees, you look like a thermometer. But I'm telling you, until you are born again, Pharaoh, you are lost. And so he says it right there. He says, and everyone who what? Come on. Loves the Father also what? Loves the child born of him. You love one another. As believers, you love one another. So clearly another birthmark of the believer is love. 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life. Why? How do we know that? How do we know we've passed from death to life? Because we love. 
because we love. And i got to tell you, man, I'm just going to get real. And I don't even know if I'll finish this sermon today. But I've been in churches that talk about loving God. And man, it is an infestation of gossips. I've been in churches that talk about their love for God. And you can't get out of the church and into a vehicle before you've heard gossip on the church grounds and, and people who won't speak to each other and people who won't have any relationship with one another and people who sit on one side of the church and point at people on the other side of the church and we say we love God. I'll tell you what John says. John says if you're full of that kind of unforgiveness and you're full of that kind of hatred and you tell me you can't even speak to somebody who is a brother in Christ and you tell me you're a Christian and you can't even speak to them and you can't have a relationship with them, you know what John says right here? He says you've got every reason in the world to doubt your relationship with God. He said Christians don't act like that. Love. You ever heard somebody say, you don't have to go to church to worship God? You ever heard somebody say that? It's true. You don't have to go to worship God. You don't have to go to church to worship God. I'm glad about that, actually, because I do some worship in between services, don't you? You say, but I'm talking about I don't have to come here and be a Christian. But have you ever heard somebody say, you can worship God just as well without going to church? That's not true. That's not true. I need you guys. I can't wait to get here on Sunday morning. I need you guys. I can't wait for the music to kick in. I can't wait to walk around and hug on y'all and say hello. And Y'all need to get here a little earlier, those of you who don't, because every Sunday morning, I walk in that door and I curl up my sermon notes into a megaphone and I wake everybody up on Sunday morning. And y'all need to be here for that because I can tell some of y'all still ain't awake yet. So I love it. I love saying hello to you guys. I love going around thanking our volunteers. I love uh, this church. I need you. I need you like flowers need sunshine and rain, and you need me. We need the church. We need each other. Look what it says in Hebrews. We We believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. If you have a different idea about that, you believe somebody else wrote the book of Hebrews, come up to me after, after the service and I'll forgive you. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 23. Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering, without doubt, confidence. For, we who, for he who promised is what? He who promised is reliable and he who promised in his word, he is what? And he is what? To his what? Go to the next slide. And let us consider thoughtfully how we may not only just be about ourselves, but how we may what? Come on. Encourage one another to love and to do good deeds. That's why we talk about service all the time. That's why we talk about you volunteering. That's why we tell you all the time we always have openings in children's ministry. Our children's ministry is booming. Y'all keep having babies. Keep it up. Keep it up. 
I love that. We keep attracting young couples who have babies and children. And so children, and uh, that's really, really important. So that's why we keep challenging you guys to step up and help us with the babies and help us with the children because we want to make sure that we continue to keep that door open and show the love of God. We want you to do good deeds. You're going to stand before God one day. He's going to ask you, what did you do with the time I gave you? What did you do with the talent I gave you? What did you do with the treasure I gave you? He's going to ask you that. Last slide on Hebrews. Not forsaking our meeting together, even in the summer. <laughs> Y'all look around, look around right now, just look around. These are the spiritual people. <laughs> These are the deep people of God. The next level right under you are all those who are on vacation, but they're watching online. God bless you. <laughs> Everybody else, loser. No, I'm kidding. That's not true. That's not true. I want to make sure they understand that's not true because you can still give online. <laughs> that true pastor's heart coming out. Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking. Don't forsake meeting together. We need to come to church. It's important as believers for two reasons, worship and instruction. What do we have at the beginning? What are we having now? Instruction, as is the habit of some, but what? Encouraging one another and all the more. You need to actually do it more and be more faithful as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. How many of you believe Jesus is coming? Has anybody seen the news lately? I mean, you don't even have to do a study on the book of Revelation. All you got to do is know a little bit about Revelation and then watch the news and go, I think Jesus already said this. He's coming. He's coming. The Bible says the closer we get to the return of Jesus, the more we need to be together. But never to isolate ourselves from the unbelievers. Isn't that right? Never to do that. Do you know the word saint is not used Never used in the singular in the New Testament. It's always saints. God never promotes you being isolated from the body. God never says that. Certainly we need isolation from time to time. Matter of fact, my greatest times with God are not here. I, I, I'm not trying to belittle church. I just told you we need to be in church. But my greatest times are God, with God are when I'm by myself. So we know that being alone with God is very, very important, but being together is essential as well. How did Jesus teach us to pray? In Matthew 6 and 9, he taught us to pray, not my Father. What did he say? Our. Plural. Together. Our Father. If you want to defeat your doubts as a Christian... If you want to have confidence as a Christian, you have to answer the love question. Am I a keeper of God's commandments? And how do I love? How do I love? If you love Jesus, if you're a disciple of Jesus, the word of God is clear. You're going to love his commandments. You're going to love his word. You're going to love his church. You're going to love other believers. And you're going to love the world. For God so loved the world. And when we were saved, the nature of God was planted in us like a seed. 
So we are to build on that seed. We are to allow God to nurture that seed that the nature of God would be more prevalent in us with each passing day. The ways of God, the way God thinks, the way God acts, the way God would respond and react. The more we let that seed of his nature flourish in us, the more we reflect him, the more we show the world to him. The Bible says in 2 Peter 1 and 4, we, when we are saved, we become partakers of the divine nature. You ever heard somebody say, that boy's nature just like his daddy? You ever heard that? You're supposed to be natured just like your daddy. If you're not natured like your daddy, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Let me give you another scripture. 1 John chapter 4, we'll back up to chapter 4 again. Let's look at verse 7. Beloved, so he's talking to Christians here. Beloved, let us say that word right there. Let us what? Unselfishly love and seek the best. He threw that in there again. Let us unselfishly love and seek the best for one another. For love is from God and everyone who loves others is born of God. John 3, born of the Spirit, born of God, born again. If you love, you are born again and knows God through personal experience. Next slide. The one who does not love has not become acquainted with God. That means he does not and never did know God. For God is, he is the originator of love and he is an enduring, uh, it is an enduring attribute of his nature. And again, 1 Peter 1.4 says that his nature, and then we read last week in 1 John, the seed, that seed was planted in us. And that seed is the nature of God. So if that's his nature and you're a Christian, then your nature is going to be to love. There is nothing we can do to attract lost people more than love. We can build a bigger building. We can buy $100,000 worth of more lights. We can add technology, and I, I like all this. I love the atmosphere in here when we're worshiping, but you don't attract people because of a building. When they see us loving, they want that in their life. One more scripture from the Gospel of John. I want you to look at it. It is in uh, John chapter 13, verses um, 34 and 35, look what Jesus said. I am giving you a new commandment. And what are we supposed to do with the commandments? We're supposed to cherish them, live by them, love them, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. And how much did he love us? He looked beyond our sins. He looked beyond our faults. He looked beyond our failures and died on the cross for us. That's how much he loved us. And he's telling you and he's telling me that I ought to love that way. That we ought to love as he loved. Look at the next verse. 
By this love, by this love that he's telling us to have for one another, by this love, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Not by how big your church is. Not by how fancy your church is. Not by how beautiful the music is. By your love. By your love for one another. By your love, they will know you're my disciples. If you have love, and here he keeps throwing this word in here because he knows how we are. And what? Unselfish concern for one another. That's how they're going to know. That's how we're going to see people who are lost. Your family, your friends, your loved ones. That's how we're going to see them come to Jesus because they're going to test you and they're going to try you and they're going to watch you and they've got you under the microscope. And if you don't love, they're going to go, that's not real. That's not real. He wants it to be real. And the way we show the world and the way we're convinced in our own heart of our walk with God is that we love. We love. Amen? Amen. God, let that word be in us today. Let that word be in us today. There is not an outreach event. There is nothing we can do to bring more people to Jesus than for us to love each other. Would you stand with me?